Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We were able this year to have two teams actually head to, to Guatemala, one in March, and it was a couple fellas from, from Reliance, and then they met up with uh, some other brothers in Christ, uh, I think from Michigan, and they went down to Guatemala and were able to do com- some construction-related type ministry. And then these ladies, and I think, what, we just missing Katrina? Okay, she couldn't make it this service. Um, she had a good word in the last one, though. So, uh, But anyway, so these ladies went uh, three weeks ago uh, to Guatemala, and um, it was awesome. They met up with some other gals, uh, I believe from Joplin, Missouri. And uh, we partner with a ministry called Life of Hope, and they're awesome. And so wh- one of the things we love to do is Reliance, is we love to send people, whether that be long-term missionaries, short-term mission trips. And then we love to receive missionaries and, and just pray that they're loved on, that they're prayed over. They feel the refreshment of the Holy Spirit as, the, as they come into the spiritual family. And so then we also love to hear testimonies of what God is up to in the world. Because guess what? It's just not centered around Wichita. He's up to something very grand in all the earth. And so I want to pass along to you ladies and just, yeah, what's the Holy Spirit up to in Guatemala? And in your own hearts, because you're processing still, I'm sure. So, Well, hello, everyone. I'm Jenny. And being, hello. being a visual person, I want to kind of paint a picture for you guys of what we experienced while we were in Guatemala. So Guatemala is about half the size of Wichita when you think about square mileage. However, the population is somewhere between four and seven million. We need to probably figure this out, but it's a lot of people. And so you see people on top of people on top of people. The traffic was crazy. We thought we saw our lives flash before our eyes a few times in the van. But it's, what happens is a lot of the rural communities, the people will move into the city thinking that there's better opportunities. And where they find themselves is what's called the settlements which is the landfill. So in the center of the city is a 40-acre landfill, and the population of the landfill is about 60,000. And so, as you can imagine, right, there's dirt floors, there's a lot of trash, a lot of weird smells, um, tin roofs, and so the living conditions of the Guatemalan people in the landfill specifically are not great. And one of my favorite parts about the trip was the home visits where we got to go in, I think about 15 to 20 families, we were able to go in and we were able to visit these people. We laughed with them, we listened to them, we heard their stories, we prayed with them, we played with their kids, we cried a lot with them, and we were able to just really pour into these people. But despite the hurt and the pain and the suffering that you could see in their eyes when they were telling these stories, you could still see smiles and you could still see the joy in their hearts. And a lot of these people were, we were connected with through the local community. So we knew that at some point someone had touched them and some of them were elders of the church and some of them were new to the church. And so we, we felt the Holy, we definitely felt the presence of the Holy Spirit there. In fact, one of the mornings we had the opportunity um, to pray over a whole community, the uh, nonprofit that there had basically built this tower, and you had a 360 view of that settlement specifically. It was called Limonada. And we literally prayed and read scripture and sang over both in Spanish and in English uh, for hours. And that was really, really cool. So we felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we know the enemy is there as well because a lot of these people, it's their first experience with Christ. And so we know that he's there just waiting for any opportunity to take them back. 
And so I would just ask that we continue to pray for them for protection and continued healing and that they would still feel the presence of the Holy Spirit much stronger than the enemy. I guess the second, my most favorite, second, second most favorite part is the community partners that we saw there. And there was a couple, there was a physician, uh, Dr. Lila, and her husband was Pastor Saul, and he did a lot of church planting. And we had the opportunity to work with both of them. We worked in a clinic and saw, I think, 75 patients for the day. And so hearing her story was very inspiring because she actually grew up in the landfill. And so she was one of those that was able to break the cycle and she put herself through med school and now she's back in the landfill serving these people. I mean, talk about selfless love. It was pretty amazing. So, and then her husband, of course, does church planting and they just pour into these people like crazy. So <clears throat> we just can, you know, ask for prayers for them to protect them for safety and for good health. She actually got COVID while we were there. So there was a couple days they had to close the clinic, but you know, they, they can get worn out too. And so just pray that um, they keep, keep that spirit live. And uh, we also are just super appreciative of all the prayers and support that you guys provided while we were there too. Thanks. I'm Angie and um, Katrina, who spoke at second service, she's not here. She had to get her kids home, but um, her, her word that um, she said it way more eloquently than I will, but she pretty much just said, say yes to God and grow up. So, you know, we all have to say yes to God. And that's one thing that all of us have done. And we've done it in different ways and we've done it in different times, but we've done it in God's way and God's time. And um, the thing that um, we, we, were, we were going down with expectations and Mary and I were able to teach our Mending the Soul class to some psychologists and to a different group of Awanas teachers and school teachers. And we had this expectation that we were going to spread the word of how to heal from abuse. And we were teaching 11 psychologists, Mending the Soul, and one of them raised their hand and she's like, okay, like, what are we supposed to do with this information? We're like, we're, you're supposed to help the kids and help the moms and help the adults that, you know, because you guys are in a very abused area. And she said, right, but you're asking us to teach people who need healing from it but you have to understand they are still in it. They are still having to live through it and endure it every single day. We get them for two to three hours a week where then they turn around and go home and daddy's an alcoholic and come home and, or, you know, mom's a deadbeat or there is no parent and it's being raised by grandma who, you know, isn't home to help, you know? And, and we're, I mean, it just totally changed our expectations of what we expect as Americans to be versus what the reality is there because they don't have uh, CPS coming in and taking these kids out of the home to try to protect them. They have to learn to endure it and live through it so then they could grow up and hopefully break the cycle. Um, but in all of this, I'm sitting here and there was four of us from here in Wichita and four from Joplin, Missouri, and there's eight of us. And we're like, what are we doing in an area of 7 million people in the size of Wichita where everybody's on top of each other? What are we doing? What are, how are we going to make a difference at all delivering a food bag that may last a week or, you know, praying over people as they're um, being diagnosed with COVID or uh, 
diabetes, which is really rampant down there, or teen pregnancies, or whatever it is. What are we doing and how are we supposed to help? We're eight people with seven million people we're, we're trying to get to. And God in his um, very loving way whacked me upside my head and said, hello, I am the same God that parted the Red Sea. I am the same God who fed the multitudes with five loaves of bread and two fishes. I am the same God from the Old Testament, the New Testament, today and tomorrow. I am never changing. So what you think is really small, I will make really big. And uh, I had to very much so be humbled and eat my words. Um, but God led a verse on my heart. It's 1 Timothy 3.16, and it says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. And it is to God that we give the glory that we were able to go to Guatemala, that we were able to plant just a seed that God will take because he can take a mustard seed and move mountains. So. Well, <laughs> throw that in there with Katrina. Um, yeah, it was a completely different experience than I would have ever dreamed or expected. Um, but like Angie said, God is big. Um, he did so many things that we could see as little through each of us ladies and through the other group that was there. Um, and I just saw him knitting us together. Um, I had Thursday morning, um, we had prayer, um, and I got to come and join the prayer. The Matt was, um, praying that all of us would lift up our kids individually to say their names and pray for them. Um, and that was just it was so impactful. Um, we got around the room. We had a pretty large group in there too. And, um, we got around the room and Matt said, okay, I just want you to think about how, um, when you said your child's name, when you were speaking and praying over your child, how you just melted and how, um, now I want you to think about how God melts every time he thinks about you. Um, and how he sees you the same way that you see each and every one of your children. Um, and I just know and believe that that's exactly what God thinks about all the people in Guatemala that we saw, um, all of the, the pain, um, the neglect, um, anything that, any room that we walked into, um, like the lady said, it was, it was hurtful and painful to watch um, some of the things that were going on. But the cool thing was is that every single one of them turned around and gave the glory to God. They were just, they were ministering to us, I think, more than we ministered to them. And I did not expect that at all. So it was just really amazing. So, yeah. Um, what did Katrina say? <laughs> Grow up and say yes. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, ladies. So Katrina, Katrina has the gift of exhortation. And she, she's basically like, I said no originally to God, and, and then I realized he was telling me to grow up. And then so she looked out at the 930 service and says, grow up. Let's say yes to Jesus. I was like, yes. Say it, Katrina. Come on. Take the mic. Preach. It's all good. That's what we need to hear. Um, and, and the Gospels talk a lot about maturing in Christ and, and then the follow-up letters. And so, come on, body. Let's mature. We're mature believers. So, anyway, I just want to say thank you, ladies, for going. Um, and what I really loved in seeing in all the services and even now is the different gifts and the personalities and the way that God uniquely 
designed each of you, and then he put you in community to go, uh, is, is amazing. And so I want to say this, that these mighty women of God, you're probably thinking, wow, I don't know, is that, that's, that's kind of a way to, but you're, you're loved, you're saints of the Lord, and you are saints of the Lord. And so the, the reality is not that you have to jump on a plane, but if God says go, then you say, okay, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to say yes. But it's that you would be obedient in whatever the Lord has for you daily. And so if that's, again, going to your neighbor, if that's talking to a family member that you're like, I don't know how to share Christ with them. It's just whatever, Holy Spirit, like just pray, Holy Spirit, how would you use me today? And then say, yes, that one's tough, but yes. And so thank you, ladies, for saying yes to going to Guatemala. And so we look forward to many testimonies of our, the body here saying yes and then hearing testimonies of what the Lord did through that yes. You see what I'm saying? Because your plan A, if you remember Josh spoke, was it last week, two weeks ago, your plan A for, for God's design of bringing the world unto him. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray for Guatemala. Yeah, and Dr. Uh, Lila and Pastor Saul and, and all them. So, yeah, pray with me, church, if you would. Jesus, we thank you for uh, the work you're doing around the globe. Um, the earth is yours and everything in it. That's what you declare in Psalms. And so we're asking for the glory of the Lord to touch every square inch of this planet. For the Guatemalan people who um, suffer much oppression, um, Lord, both in, in the physical and in the spiritual, are asking for a release of your spirit in that country. Lord, they would come to you in the masses. We're praying for a great harvest to come um, from Guatemala. We know it's yours, and your heart is for them even more than we can pray, even more passionately than I could pray right now. Lord, you see every Guatemalan from the, from the youngest child to the oldest. And so we're just asking, Lord, that you meet them right where they're at. And for those who are suffering, Lord, I pray that, that you would give them the strength to endure. I pray that there would be cycles broken. There would be family cycles broken. Give them, give the believers the perseverance to endure, that they might, might see your coming and they might also tell others. And so, Lord, again, thank you for these ladies that demonstrate what it means to say yes to you. And may we as a church capture that and, and be, walk in obedience to whatever you would ask of us, Holy Spirit. We know that you're with us and you're for us. And so all authority has been given to us. And, and, and you promise in Matthew 20 that surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So every time we say yes in obedience, you're with us. The next yes, you're with us. The next yes, you're with us. Thank you for these testimonies and continue to lift up uh, Dr. Lila, Pastor Saul to you and just gird them up in strength, help them to fight the good fight, to run that race with endurance and, and to bring in the harvest again, we pray. We love you, Jesus, and we're thankful um, so much for you in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we give these ladies one more hand? Thank you, ladies. So hopefully today you will get empowered to go as well and at some point in time take a missions trip. Uh, for some of you, maybe you've done that before. If you haven't, I want to encourage you. There's lots. Every year we do three or four trips to different places, which, whether it be Guatemala, Africa, uh, or various places. So just want to encourage you, jump on one of those. It's life transforming when you get to be boots on the ground and take the gospel. Amen? So be a part of that. If you guys have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Ezekiel 18. We're going to finish up uh, a series that we started this summer called Cultivating Foundations. And what we've been doing is we've been building up different foundations of our faith um, that, that helps us to grow into maturity. Why, why we believe certain things, what we believe. And so these foundations are what help grow our faith into maturity. And we've used this 2 Corinthians 11.3 as a springboard um, every week um, that we've preached this where Paul says, uh, but I'm afraid. 
And we know the Apostle Paul, not afraid of Roman Empire. He's not afraid of politicians. He's not afraid of prison. He's not afraid of beatings. And ultimately, Paul is not afraid of death, if you look at his life. But he says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Here's what Paul was mostly worried about for you and I. Not that we would come to church and just get a good word and then kind of go out the doors, that somehow we would think that, that I can love Jesus and love other things as much as him. Somehow we would think that I can live for Jesus and live for everything else in the world and they can be the same. Somehow we're gonna come to this place, this is Paul's heart, that he was fearful of, that we would come to this place where we would think that casual Christianity is really a thing and that it's okay. Because it's not a thing and it's not okay. Amen, church. So Paul's word is, how do we keep a sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ? And I think what's gonna knit all of these things together, all these foundations that we've been talking about, what's gonna knit it all together is this last thing that we're gonna talk about, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say power. power. Say Holy Spirit. And this is where we're going today. We're going to wrap this thing up with a nice little bow with the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that the Holy Spirit is the secret sauce. You ever gone to a restaurant and you ate something, you loved it, you go home, try to create it at home, and you just can't do it because they have a secret sauce? Anybody like that? Like you go to your grandma's house and she makes something and you're like, Grandma, I've tried to make this a hundred times. What is your secret sauce? And she goes, just a whole lot of love. And you're like, no, it's a whole lot of Crisco. That is your secret sauce. <laughs> your grandma used Crisco. That's what made it good, I'm telling you. All right? But we've got this secret sauce. We're like, what is it? In the Christian life, this secret sauce that wraps this up together is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we may look the part, but we will not have power to live the part. So this is where we're going today. We're gonna talk about what does it look like to have this baptism outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. There's gonna come a time, and we're gonna read this in Scripture, where full dependency on the Spirit of God is what's needed in our life. But to get full dependency on the Spirit of God, it takes a full surrender of the Spirit of man. You're eventually gonna have to come to an end of yourself, lay down what it is that your desires and pursuits are, and take the fullness of the Spirit of God. And so, this is Paul's life. This is why Paul would say things like, I'm constrained by the Spirit. We talked about this last week. He said, I'm constrained by the Spirit, Acts chapter 20, to go to Jerusalem. What did he mean? It means he was bound by the Holy Spirit. His life did not have life outside of the Spirit of God. Amen? And so, what does this look like then in the everyday Christian life? I want to take you through a journey in the book of Ezekiel. Go ahead and turn to Ezekiel 18 if you're not there. I wanna take you through a journey. Just go with me on this journey. We're gonna find some things in the Old Testament. And what we're gonna find in the Old Testament, and you're gonna see this thread throughout, is that God's heart was for you and I to understand that we would not be able to do anything in our own strength, but only by his spirit. And so we're gonna go with Ezekiel 18, I was listening to some commentary by David Wilkerson, old time pastor, listened to a message by him, man, and he was walking through Ezekiel and I was like, this guy is on fire. So I wanna take us through this for a moment. In Ezekiel 18, 
the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Ezekiel and says in verse 30, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity or sin be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you've committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. So here's Ezekiel, the prophet, preaching this word, repent, get a new heart, get a new spirit, turn yourselves around, clean yourselves up so that you can live. So he's preaching a word, it's fire. And there's, this is a tough time for Ezekiel because it's not well received. Because what's happening in the house of God right now in Ezekiel's time is that there's a lot of struggling going on in the house of God. Ezekiel's in a time where he's seeing turmoil in God's house. They've compromised, they've allowed idolatry in, and the, the, the people of God are beginning to backslide. Those that were following the Lord are, are beginning to backslide, and so they're walking out of obedience to the Lord. They're starting to walk in disobedience. Ezekiel sees this. Something begins to burn in his heart where he sees sin and compromise and a backslidden church, and the Lord gives him a word. And so he begins to, with passion, begins to preach this word, repent and turn yourselves around. Powerful and convicting, amen? And here's why this is so important. How is it that Ezekiel was feeling this conviction and passion while the rest of Israel was not? Well, we read about it. What we know about Ezekiel is that the Spirit of God was upon him. He was a prophet of the Lord, and Ezekiel 2.2 says this, And when the Lord spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. So here's what happened. It's a profound statement. The Spirit of God was living in an Old Testament guy named Ezekiel, and he was tasting a New Testament reality that would come through Christ Jesus. So here's an Old Testament guy. The Holy Spirit's not been poured out yet on Pentecost, but here's a guy who gets to taste the new covenant when the Spirit of God comes in him. So he's got a deep-seated conviction in his heart for what's happening to the nation while the rest of the nation of Israel is not living yet in that new covenant. It's a taste of things to come. So he's got this inner strength in him. The Spirit of God's in him. And he recognizes sin. He's got the power to fight sin right now. He's got the power to realize how far they've fallen away from the Lord. He's got the power to realize that they've not been walking in obedience. And so he's been walking in obedience. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is in him. Now listen, church, this is important. So he's preaching fire right now. He's coming and he's going, stop sinning. Stop messing up. Turn your life around. Get yourself a new heart. Get yourself a new spirit. you got to clean yourself up. This is the message that Ezekiel is coming with. He's like, get your act together. And he can't understand why they're not convicted like he's convicted. You see, because the Holy Spirit was, was within Ezekiel, the word says that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is he convicts us of sin and leads us into truth. Amen? 
So Ezekiel is feeling this. And so why in the world would God have him preach this word, turn yourselves around, clean yourselves up, get a new heart, get a new spirit. God had a purpose for him to preach that word. We're gonna see a change here in just a second. God wanted the people to know that there was such a high standard set that they would never reach it without him. God had a plan so that they would understand they would need to be new covenant people and not old covenant people. God had a plan, and what he wanted for us to read in that Old Testament is it was beyond their strength and ability to be righteous before the Lord. It would take a move of God. This is why when we read the Old Testament, they, they're in at times and they're out. They did not have yet the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And so Ezekiel's preaching this word, and he's like, man, I... I don't know why they don't feel the conviction that I'm feeling. I remember back, back in the day when I was a youth pastor, there were times in 2000, 2001, like you wanted, I wanted to preach a convicting word and chase those students to the cross. You guys know what I'm talking about? I remember my wife and I, when we met as sophomores in high school at a camp, there was this African-American brother, man, this guy could preach the word. His name was Luther, big old dude. And when he preached, I was scared to death that guy. I ran to the cross every single time. I'm telling you, it was a good word. He was preaching. He was like, get mad at your sin. Get away from the things that you're in. I was running to the cross. Here was the problem, though. The problem was I was only running to the cross for a season, for a moment. I don't know if you felt like this, but for a moment I was walking away from myself. I was walking away from the life. And then all of a sudden, something happened in my heart, and I would just go back to my old ways again. Amen? And we see this, where for a moment we got a little bit of conviction, and then we go back to our old ways. We feel the little bit of conviction to change, but we lack the power to do it. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel in his day must have been a bit discouraged because he's preaching this message that God told him to preach and the people were saying, look, we trust in our own righteousness. We trust in our own strength while they're living in their sin. In fact, Ezekiel 33, 31, God tells Ezekiel a little bit about the people. He says, my people come to you, Ezekiel, as they usually do. They sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. So a snapshot of the church in this time is simply this. It's in disarray. The temple of God, the people are in disarray. The shepherds, the priests that are supposed to be leading the people, they were out for their own gain, their own selfishness, their own success, their own wealth. So there was no shepherds leading the people. The people were scattered, it says, like sheep on many hills. Everybody was out for themselves. And here's Ezekiel. He's going, we got to turn, we got to change our ways. Ezekiel is asking the people to do what is humanly impossible to do. All the dynamic preaching in the world, all the turn, get a new heart, get a new spirit, all the dynamic preaching in the world is in no way under any circumstance going to get these people in their fleshly power to be able to get a new heart, a new spirit. Can't do it. There's no way they're going to get them to turn from idolatry and sin and just be okay with it in their own strength. There's just no way. And so here's what you see. This is the theme over and over and over in the Old Testament. You'll see it over and over. It's the heart of the Old Testament that the Old Testament covenant demands total obedience to the law, that you were made righteous by following the law. The problem is, could anybody fully follow the law? 
No, y'all are speeders out there. You know you are, right? You drive, it's, it's tough to follow our own laws, let alone all the laws of the Lord. And so here's a people going, we know that we're breaking the law. The power was not yet given in the Holy Spirit at would be on Pentecost. And there was a reason for this. God didn't want us to live in the old covenant. He wanted us to live in the new covenant that would be in Christ Jesus from the very beginning of time. Amen? Not in of ourselves. So Ezekiel is preaching and people are going, Ezekiel, we get it. We see what you're saying. We're running in disobedience. Okay, we keep failing. It's not that we don't want to listen to you. It's just that it's like we have a victory and then we fall back down. Anybody feel that way in your spiritual life? You have victory and then you fall straight back down on your face. So the question then is where is the power? Where is the power at? We're living now in the new covenant, the new grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. And the question for the church is where's the power? Listen, in those moments that probably seemed hopeless in Ezekiel's day, all of a sudden he's been preaching this message fervently and passionately, and then God comes in and shares something with his heart in Ezekiel's heart. In Psalm 25, 14, I love this. Friendship, the friendship or the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. Look what he says. This is the key. And he makes known to them his covenant. Ezekiel was a man who feared the Lord, and because he feared the Lord, God begins to download on Ezekiel's heart his covenant. So here's a man who fears God. Now, from, ver- from, from Ezekiel 18, flip over to Ezekiel 36, you're going to see a whole change in this man's preaching now. Watch what happens in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel starts preaching a message that probably dumbfounded him a bit. The Lord was taking him out of the old covenant for a bit and giving him revelation for the new covenant and the time of the Messiah. He had just been preaching. You got to turn. You got to stop doing your stuff. You got to clean yourself up. And now all of a sudden in Ezekiel 36, 25, this is how Ezekiel starts preaching. The Lord gives him a word and he says, I, the Lord, will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put them in you, declares the Lord. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. Is that good news, church? So here's the guy fervent going, you better clean yourself up. You better get yourself a new heart. You better get yourself a new spirit. And then God goes, oh, no, no, no. Let's change some things up. I'm going to give it all to you. So here's Ezekiel saying, you, you better clean yourself up. And here's God saying, no, no, no. I'm going to clean you up. Here's Ezekiel saying, you better get yourself that new spirit, a new heart. And here's God saying, I'm going to put a new heart, a new spirit in you. Here's Ezekiel saying, you better turn yourself around. And here's God saying, I will put my ways in you and make you follow them. This is God saying, I don't need your strength, you need mine. I don't need your spirit, God's saying, you need my spirit. Listen, everything Ezekiel had commanded them to do, now God says, I'm going to fulfill it with my covenant. 
It's a taste of what was to come in Jesus Christ. I'm sure Ezekiel couldn't believe what it was that the Lord was downloading on his heart. God saying, by my spirit, I'm going to cause the Holy Spirit to fulfill every command that I'm putting on you. Then immediately something happens. Right after Ezekiel 36 comes Ezekiel 37, because 37 comes after 36, right? And so in Ezekiel 37, you go to this place called the Valley of Dry Bones. And you know, most of you guys who grow up in church, you probably heard this story, at least heard that terminology. So in Ezekiel 37, it's all about this vision where Ezekiel gets caught up in this vision of the Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord takes him into a place where he sees this valley that was full of dry bones. And here's what he said. The Lord is going to emphasize where Ezekiel's been and now where the Lord is taking his heart. In verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very, very dry. Two things Ezekiel wants you to see here. There were bones everywhere and they were dry. They had no life in them. Sometimes we wonder if that's what the church looks like today. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh God, you know. The Lord is speaking to him. Can these bones live, Ezekiel? This is your people. This is the church you've been preaching to. This is the Israelite people. You've been telling their bones, get up. You've been telling their bones, you need to change your life. You've been telling their bones, you need to change your ways. How's that working for you, Ezekiel? Those bones can't move. Those bones don't have any life in them. You've been preaching to these bones, get holy. How's that working for you? The reality is they're not getting up, Lord. They're dry, they're dead, they have no power, they have no life. And then God changed the words that he was giving to Ezekiel. He said, I'm a, that's a setup. This is how I want people to see it. And now I'm going to show you what I'm going to fulfill in and of myself through my spirit. Now you're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit in verse 4 of Ezekiel 37. Then he said to me, son of man, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath, spirit to enter you. Look what he says. And you shall live, and I will lay sinews, tendons, and ligaments upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and I will cover you with skin, and I will put my breath, my spirit, the spirit of God in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So here's what, a, here's what Ezekiel says. Oh Lord, okay. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. Come on, church. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were tendons and ligaments that began to come on them, and flesh began to come upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Let me tell you what he's telling him right there. Ezekiel starts to prophesy to the word of the Lord, and he begins to see shape taking form, and it looks good. They look like they're alive. These bones have skin on them now. Everything looks good like they're alive. Here's the problem. You can have the appearance of being alive but still be dead. This is what he says in the book of Revelation to the church. You have the appearance of being alive but you're dead. 
You can look good, you can look the part, but if you don't have the power of God, you're dead. And here's what he says. You've been preaching to dry bones, and they can try and get themselves together for a time, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, they will make no change. And this is where he's been. You've been telling the people of God, you gotta get your act together, you gotta get it straight. But you need to know, they're not gonna be able to do it without the Spirit of God. The only way these bones can walk, Ezekiel, is if my spirit comes into them and my spirit does the work, it's the only way. This is the new covenant where he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. I will cause you to walk in the ways of the Lord. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will teach you of my Father. This is the Holy Spirit. I will teach you of my Father. You won't need a mediator any longer because your mediator will become Jesus Christ. You will actually surpass those religious people because those religious people don't know intimacy like you're gonna know intimacy. I will put my spirit within you. All you bones, Preach this, Ezekiel, all you bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse nine, then he said to me, so here you've got the, the, the bones all come together, they're fleshed out, they, they have the appearance of being alive, but they're still dead, they're still lying there. Verse nine, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, the spirit. He's telling Ezekiel, prophesy to the spirit. The spirit knows what his role is, amen? Prophesy to the Spirit, prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the Spirit, to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, and they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath, the Spirit of God, came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Come on, church. So he begins to remind the Spirit of God, you are the life giver, you are the power giver, and it's a promise from the Lord that you will come into my life, come into my life. I prophesy you to come into my life. I speak to you the word of the Lord from the foundations of the earth. He said that the Spirit of the Lord would live in me. I say, come in. And the Spirit of the Lord comes in and shaking begins to happen. I'm really excited about this. Are you guys excited about this? I tell you, every now and again you start reading and you're like, oh, Shaking begins to happen. Rattling begins to happen. Here's the thing about this. As the bones begin to rattle, you want to know when revival comes? Revival comes when the Spirit is breathed into your bones. This is what revival, we're praying for events to happen. I'm praying the Spirit of God would just land on you. This is what happens when the Spirit of God comes. The only way to have victory is when the Spirit of God comes in you. He says it in verse 14. I will put my Spirit within you and you shall live you shall live. The Spirit of God will do what the flesh is unable to accomplish. This is the core of the new covenant. The Spirit will come upon all God's people. Jesus come, does all the work, buys us with the price, says it is finished. He'll spend the rest of his days on earth, 40 days on earth that he'll st stick around in his resurrected form and he'll preach really two things. The great commission, you better go. You gotta you got, you got get out there, you gotta make disciples. And the other thing that he'll preach is this, you better wait for the Holy Spirit. You better not do anything in your own power. You better stop trying to run in your own strength. You better wait for the Holy Spirit. And this is what he does. The Holy Spirit will keep coming after you until you understand this. He will pursue you relentlessly. And you say, well, don't I have the Holy Spirit when I came into Christ? Yes, you do. You have the Holy Spirit when you came into Christ. 
You do. Holy Spirit's in you. No one comes to the Father but him who's been drawn. But he's talking about this baptism of fire where I'm not just saying Holy Spirit's in there somewhere. I'm going, I live and breathe and find my being in him. I live, I'm constrained by him to do whatever it is he wants me to do. An exceedingly great army stands up. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit is in possession of God's people, then we are battle ready. So how do we get the Spirit? Super easy. Jesus said the Father will give the Spirit to those who ask. We make it super complicated. The Father will give the Spirit to those who will ask Him. It's a foundational promise that was made from the beginning that the Spirit of God would come into our lives. Fast forward real quickly, Luke chapter three, verse 21. Jesus is 30 years old, getting ready to start his ministry. He was baptized as he came out of the water. Here's what scripture records. Heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. Acts, uh, Luke chapter four, chapter right after, Jesus goes into fast for 40 days into the wilderness. He's tempted in all the ways you can be tempted in the flesh and all these things. Satan's tempting, tempting, tempting. All these temptations are coming. Scripture says he does not sin because he was without sin. Amen. And here's what it says when he comes out of the wilderness in Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He came out in power. Amen, church. And then in verse 18, he goes and he sits down in the synagogue full of religious folks. And he goes and he gets the scrolls. And he opens the scrolls. And he says these words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's prophesying something that was written about him in the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He, the Spirit of the Lord, has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls the scroll back up and he puts it back and he sits down and all it says all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him and he says today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing today it's been fulfilled the spirit of the Lord is upon me he has anointed me he has sent me Jesus is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and you and I don't think we need him you and I think that we get through life and we don't we don't need to really give ourselves over to that you and I think we just keep doing our thing and maybe I'll wander into it. Come on, amen, church? This is crazy. Matthew 4.11, he's gonna say the same thing, uh, except this time it's gonna be John the, the, uh, John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but there's one coming after me who's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize, with you, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Listen, fire does something in you. Fire affects you. How do I know that? Put your hand over a candle. It's going to cause an effect on you. You're going to feel its warmth or you're going to get burned. The Holy Spirit does something tangibly inside of you. Acts chapter 1, 3. uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus is going to say, as he's appearing to them over and over and over, he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. And he's saying, give yourself up to the Holy Spirit. And while staying with them, verse 4, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in verse 6 and 7, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
Jesus will say the same thing in Luke 24, 49. After his resurrection, 40 days in his resurrected body, he's walking around. He says, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Here's the words. Don't depart. Wait. Stay until. Here's what we do. We come to church and listen to the word, and we're like, ah, man, I wonder, don't want the restaurants to get too crowded today. And he's going, wait. Don't leave. Don't move. Don't depart. Wait. Stay until you are clothed on high with power from the Holy Spirit. I came in early this morning, earlier than normal. I was walking this building and just walking these, this room and here, praying over chairs, praying at the crosses. I said, Lord, what would you have for us today? And I felt two things. He says, there's got to be love in the room. 1 Corinthians 13, without love doesn't matter. There's got to be love in the room. But there must be the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't, I don't know what background you grew up. I don't know if you even understand what all this is. But I don't think you have to understand what it all is to understand you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Without Him, we're just dry bones. Without Him, we may even have the appearance of being alive, but He says there's no life in them. So today, I want to invite you. In this last time, this band's going to be playing. I just want to invite you. The altar's going to be open. You don't want to come to the altar, turn in your chairs. But here's what the Lord says. The Holy Spirit is given to those who ask Him. Would you ask? Would you ask, Holy Spirit, come? And here's the deal for us. There are times when we've got to reflect in our heart just a little bit to go, man, there's some things I need to clean out. It's, I can't do it on my own, Jesus. This is your work inside of me. But I'm recognizing there are some ways that I'm walking in that are not of you. So I give you those ways. Holy Spirit, come in. Cleanse me out. You have the throne of my heart. Because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will not share his throne. Jesus will not share his throne. The Lord will not share his throne. Amen, church. So sometimes we've got to do a little self-reflection. But this is the game changer. The game changer is wait until you are clothed with power from on high. I want to pray this over us and then I just want to invite you to stand you can come you can kneel you can turn in your chair but pray Holy Spirit fill me Holy Spirit fill me I wish we had more time to talk about what that looks like we will in fact the next three weeks we will Holy Spirit fill me so Father today I pray would you come and fill us there's a valley of dry bones Jesus waiting for the awakening of the Spirit to breathe on them. So we prophesy, as you told Ezekiel to do, Son of Man, prophesy. Come wind of the Holy Spirit from the four corners, from the north and the south and the east and the west. Come wind of the Holy Spirit and breathe on this place today. Come wind of the Holy Spirit and awaken our hearts to you. Come wind of the Holy Spirit and baptize us in fire. Come wind of the Holy Spirit. Come wind of the Holy Spirit
Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.